Me ready football podcast. Finally, Stefan. Man, we've been trying to record this podcast for a few days now. Before the England game, right after the England game, a day after the England game, man, technical difficulties. What's up, Stefan? Well, yeah, you're right. It's been a struggle. I have to take most of the blame for that. But, you know, good things come to those who wait. No doubt. Because when anybody has to wait for me, you know, that is greatness. Anyway, <laughs> Stefan, this is, I was looking forward to doing this podcast because not often I get to do a podcast after a huge England win. So we're going to jump straight into that. England, quarterfinalists. They managed to beat Germany. Impressions of the game, quickly. Impressions of the game, um, it went, funny enough, and the unfortunate thing about this podcast is we weren't able to do our predictions before it, and that sucks, because if we had done a prediction podcast, I would have said to you that you need not worry, because England were going to triumph against Germany. I know before the game, you were, you were in your little fan vibe, you were worried. I remember you sent me a little voice note saying something about the fact that Germany's team was so big and bad and such a ball of full team but I didn't reply to you I just said okay fan but for me the game went exactly how I expected it to go England they finally brought back the back five they matched up Germany I always start in a back five they have the edge in regards to containing Germany and I believe they had the better offense it wasn't a particularly dominant display but it was a game of attrition that I always would have given England the edge in, and they capitalized on the few chances they got, and they got the victory. I thought it was two even teams. If the game was being played in Germany, I definitely think Germany win. I still believe Germany have had the better players, but you're playing in England, so that gives England, England a chance. Um, I, I felt it was 50-50 going into the game, but England would need some luck. Uh, what really surprised me in the game, because I'm sure most people have heard already about the game, was how well Luke Shaw played against Kimmich. That really surprised me. I never expected that. Because when he would decide to go to a back five, uh, I, I said that basically he's manning up. He's basically come to the conclusion that my players are going to man up against your players, and I believe that my players are better. And I didn't believe that. I really didn't believe that, especially the Luke Shaw versus Joshua Kimmich matchup. I didn't believe that Luke Shaw could play that way against Joshua Kimmich. I just, I just couldn't fathom it. That, that, that surprised me. It didn't surprise me how England was able to contain Germany for long stretches because Germany has had trouble over the last few years facing that sort of containment. Two holy midfielders, three at the back. You have Kyle Walker running around at 100 miles an hour. But what did surprise me was after the first 10 minutes of the game, England was able to have a lot of the, lot of the ball. If you minus the, the... It ended up 46-53 in Germany's favor. But if you minus that first 10 minutes and then the last few minutes of the game when England was already up 2-0, so it really didn't matter and where Germany had the ball. For the rest of the time, the possession battle was very, very even. And I, I couldn't, that's another thing that surprised me. Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips being able to hold on to the football for so long against a German midfield. And that's where I think Germany missed the trick. 
bringing Goretzka and not playing Gundogan. Because I do think that if Gundogan had played, I don't think England would have been able to even up possession for that long. I think the game would have looked a lot like that first 10 minutes where it was just all Germany. And I was sitting there watching it thinking, Germany, England kicks the ball up the field. Germany has the <laughs> ball again. England kicks the ball up the field. Germany has it again. For that first 10 minutes, I was like, oh, God. Trippier, you better do something on a free kick. But it didn't happen. And, I, I, and, that, and that's where Lowe seems to have lost it. The substitutions just weren't right. Um, not using Gundogan. Um, he brought on Sané far too late. And Ganabra was poor when he came on. Yeah, I mean, to go with your points in regards to position, I think it also ties into the fact that Luke Shaw had such a good game. And not just a good game defensively against Joshua Gimmich. Offensively, I think he worried him a lot. Because in regards to the position, I think how Germany would have liked to play Gimmich is he would have been able to come inside and add that third uh, midfielder that would have increased position. But because Shaw was looking fairly dangerous, I don't think Shaw was exceptional by any stretch of the imagination, but he was clearly something that Gimmich had to be aware of. And that kept him out wide, that evened up the position a lot in midfield. Um, yeah, at certain points, I thought Germany looked ahead of, ahead of, I think the first 10 minutes someone tweeted, it's very obvious that Germany's midfield plays for um, Bayern Munich and Real Madrid, while England's plays for West Ham and, and Leeds. But I thought Calvin Phillips reacted very well. Thought Declan Rice had a good game after pulling back a play on the box. Overall, as you said, you started it off fairly well. It's two good teams, or not two good teams, two evenly matched teams. Um, they're both evenly matched on the field. And I think more importantly, they're matched evenly on the benches in regards to the coaches. Because as you said, I think Lowe got a lot of things wrong. Southgate's gotten a lot of criticism when I think it's a bit unfair. I think he's done better than people will give him credit for. And I think Lowe has been worse than people have actually been pointing out. Since, the, since 2017, when they won that little unlucky cup, what's it called again? Confederations the, Cup. The Confederations yeah, Cup. Yeah. I, I, I even, I, I've been saying since 2016 that Lowe should be gone after they failed at the Euros. To be honest, I, I've said it on the podcast too. I think he should have walked after the World Cup, but I understood why he stayed because, you know, you want to go for that double of the World Cup of the Euros. But after the Euros, I said, this guy's done. He, he's exhausted his ideas. It's essentially the same ideas coming back. The fact that at the end of the day, right before the tournament, he had to call back the likes of Hummels and um, Thomas Muller, who Thomas Muller missed a guilty chance. I remember when he was played, everyone was like, wow, what a shot that Muller missed that. And I'm like, do you guys watch Muller? Anytime he's through one-on-one, he misses those chances. He's definitely a poacher. Germany expected way too much of him. And as he's shown for club and country, when you expect too much from him, he fails to deliver and he fails to deliver for this tournament. Another tactic that Southgate have to give him credit for was having his defenders knowing when to step into the midfield to form that third, third midfielder, bringing in Harry Maguire, because that was a big decision over Mings, who had actually started the tournament very well. But Maguire is far better on the ball. Means pacier. But on the ball, Maguire is just a much better player. Carries the ball better. And I felt the leadership from Harry Maguire, mainly with him screaming at Jordan Pickford at least three occasions, because there was different times you wanted to switch back the play back to Jordan Pickford, but Pickford's positioning was on the wrong side of the post. 
So when he was yep. wanting to play to him, Pickford was the wrong place and he's screaming at him saying, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I cannot play, th- if you're on the right side, I cannot play it across the goal. What are you doing? And then there was another time where then he's too close to him. So he plays it to Pickford, the kick just launches it and Pickford looks at Maguire and Maguire is saying, it's actually, I mean, you'd have to go back to the game. I've watched the game like three times. He points to him and he's actually, <laughs> he needs stand here when I have the ball. So there was that. Um, and to Germany's credit, there were times when they did, they were able to take advantage of when England's defenders stepped up, um, notably when Declan Rice got his yellow card. That was because John Stone stepped right in. Ambula turned him beautifully, made a through pass. And I- <laughs> irony is, I've always said Muller's passing is overrated and his fish- finishing is what he should be praised for. He made that beautiful pass. Um, Goretzka bought the foul, stepped, stepped right in front of Rice, got the free kick, probably should have waited a little longer, would have gotten a penalty. Uh, mm-hmm. Then sent it, get sent through. And that's the last thing I want to talk about the game. Ryan Sterling played. This was his best game. No questions about it. Up until the 80th minute, best. Yeah, it was between him and Luke Shaw. And the reason why I give Luke Shaw so much credit is if I'm going to give Kimmich so much credit, for being such a fantastic football player. And Luke Shaw was able to, in my opinion, outplay him. I don't need to say my opinion. He outplayed him, and I, I will say that. He outplayed him. So yep. that that was something. Um, but Sterling, I felt, was the best player. And this was a real game for those people who think that he's unfairly treated. He, he, he wasn't in the previous three games. Sterling just wasn't that good. He would start the games well, and then it would just be a bag of miscontrols, running or you try to run off the touchline, run into traffic. Um, the, the the this game was right. He made that great pass to Germany, and we talk <laughs> yeah, about yeah. his mistake. But actually, yes, we already know the mistake. But the real mistake was actually a player that was credited, Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire left Thomas Muller and goes at. Kai Havertz. He doesn't need yeah. to go after Kai Havertz. He needs to actually drop off. Kai Havertz has the ball in his own half. Make Kai Havertz come because you have Kyle Walker beside you. Kyle Walker yeah. is so fast. If he, if, if Maguire keeps dropping with Thomas Muller, I guarantee you Kyle Walker is going to get there. How do I know? <laughs> because by the time Muller was about to shoot, Kyle Walker was millimeters Besides, yes. beside Buller to shoot, shoot the way how he was able to spurge past Maguire and Stones. So that was the real mistake that people didn't really talk about. Yes, it was a bad pass by Sterling, but the reaction of Maguire to go to the ball reminds me of what Fabio Capello used to always say about Italian defenders. I remember he was talking about the Premier League once and he was saying these goals wouldn't have been scored on Italian defenders. And he was complaining about how Premier League defenders are so easily attracted to the ball. And that's what I think yeah. happened. Harry Maguire just saw it and he just ran after him. He doesn't run, he just keeps stepping back. Kyle Walker, that's, when you're in, that's the point of you having a back three and Kyle Walker in there. Kyle Walker is going to get there. He may fall yeah. in, but he's going to get there. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah I agree with you. Yeah, but yeah, to sum it up, I thought Sterling, again, as you said, best, best game of the tournament for sure. I think... Even the criticism in the previous games has been a bit overdrawn. I've always regarded Sterling as a good player. You know, I think there's a bit of unfair treatment in regards to saying things like he runs into, into dead ends and that kind of stuff. Because at the end of the day, I think he's put in the team 
to make those runs, to try and create that kind of stuff. If it doesn't come right. off, people criticize it. But when it does come off, he ends up he end up starts he starts the, the goal that he scores. He gets it out wide, he comes into dead space, really and truly, but he finds the pass and then makes a run to the box for the tapping. That's 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 quality football. I think he's been England's best player of the tournament. Three goals justifies that. And I think England fans can be casually optimistic about progressing further. Ball handling was really good against you. I've always been critical of his ball handling, but it was good. Yeah. Anyway, moving on, we have the quarterfinals. Um, prediction, Spain. I said Spain coming in was a team that people should watch. Uh, Germany winning the tournament. Um, but had them winning the group against France. It didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't happen. But but I still I still think Germany was were as it was an even game against England, the game was in England. England got the lock. Got the I shouldn't say the lock. They got some of the breaks and they won. And that's mm-hmm. and they're out. No shame in that. So, but Spain was a team I said everybody should watch. They go up against Switzerland, who knocked out France. Big, big shock right there. Big. Funnily enough, before the tournament, I think you had Germany to win, but you were you were telling people that Spain could be a contender before the tournament. I was saying I had Spain to win, but I was saying that because of COVID, I'm going to switch it to Portugal. So both of our actual predictions for the winners have gone out early. Portugal disappointed in me greatly. Um, and then I think we both all, uh, not both, both, I think everybody had France as contenders. They're now home. It's, it's, it's turned out to be a fairly interesting tournament. Um, well, you know, France... As you and I have spoken about many a times, France play the way how they play. But there was 20 yeah. minutes there once after Switzerland missed their chance, the missed their penalty, not chance, missed their penalty. Benzema really, Benzema and Pogba just went to another level. The oh, level yeah. that Pogba at Benzema played that. No other human being outside of Messi, of course could play better. Pogba, as I said, I used to call Paul Scholes at his best, Papa Scholes, because he used to just be like a father on the football field, bouncing children around. He looked like, he. that's how he looked. Pogba was just phenomenal. Uh, and then you look at, sorry about that, then you look at Benzema, the movement, everything is right. But what I want to talk about quickly on France, because you can't spend too much time on them, was I think Mbappe is getting too much criticism Yes, his finishing in the box is was poor. Mm-hmm. And that deserves criticism. But his overall football was actually really good. It just happens that he was just one of those tournaments where it just didn't break right from in the box. I've seen it happen to Messi. I've seen it happen to Ronaldo. Um, so I've been seeing it happen with Kane. Well, no, Kane just hasn't been playing well. But he just hasn't happen to him in the box. <laughs> <laughs> I had to take yeah. that shot at Harry Kane. Good goal, though. But yeah, I've yeah. seen it happen to other players. So I'm not going to... Uh, his overall football effect was good and gave um, France that weapon. It just, yes. it just came back to haunt France that the lapses in their overall football and the weaknesses in their overall football came back to haunt them. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Sorry, plus the injuries. They lost... The injuries, players. Yeah. They lost. Benzema, I, that's when I started to believe, oh, they were in trouble. When, when I saw Sissoko coming on, and I still don't know what he's good at in football. You know, when, when watching that Switzerland game, Kingsley Coman came on the field and he, he definitely made an impact and then he got injured. I remember earlier before the tournament started, you, your whole thing with France was 
they get through the the run that they get and they win, you really can't take anything away from them. You said that Benzema's inclusion was going to be big for them. But you also had pointed out that if France was able to get one of Usman Dembele or Kingsley Coman playing well, well that was going to be a potential game changer. And after you said that, they they both get injured. So you definitely change them. Once I thought Dembele get hurt, Stefan, I remember that people saying, I was like, oh, that's a huge loss. They've just lost yep. their, 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 their main weapon. They've just lost that chain, that weapon that you just can't lose. Um, yeah, I, I didn't say it then, but when he went down, I said to myself, that's, that's going to be an issue. Especially when it was, he came out that he was missing the next what, four months. He's not even minor injured. He's injured, injured. And then Kingsley Coleman comes on the field and for 30 minutes, he looks like he's going to make an impact. And I said, oh, yeah, this is the game changer guy. France are now 3-1 up. Then football happens, <laughs> and then he gets injured. And I said to myself, even if France get past Switzerland at this point in time, it, it doesn't look good for them. But it, back to the Mbappe points, I agree with you. I don't think overall his tournament is as bad as people are making it seem. I've seen lots of stuff about, oh, don't compare him as one of the best players in the world. Oh, he needs to leave PSG. Uh, he didn't play well, etc., etc. Again, I think overall, minus the goals, and this is where stuff like final score analysis comes in. You're seeing a top forward and you're saying, oh, he hasn't scored, so he hasn't played well. I thought, for the most part, his movement was really good. He definitely created havoc in almost every game. He got chances. Yes, his finishing was poor. Decision-making at some times was poor as well. But I think the real reason people are criticizing him is before the tournament came out, there was some reports that Mbappe's ego was starting to inflate that he was demanding penalties because he didn't want Griezmann to take penalties. He wanted to be the main man in the attack. It just so happens when those things come out and you don't actually score the goals, people are going to look at you away. Yes, and you know, when Paul Pogba was criticised after the game um, in the French camp for his defensive duties, and yes, Stefan, I'm going to say it again. Declan Rice, you notice I didn't mention anything about Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips as no defensive great stalwarts in the Germany game. They played yep. very well defensively. I expect yep. that if you're a good football player, a defensive midfielder, and you have three center, three center backs and your full backs are played well, I would expect you to have a good game. Now, yep. people are saying Paul Pogba vacated his defensive work. You can't have it both ways. You can't tell me that Conte is his world-class, legendary, defensive midfielder, two players at once, but yeah. he can't, he's not good enough to allow Paul Pogba to express himself. So then what is yeah. the point? Yep, yeah. I agree with you. And I've so said like, this many times. And that point will never be brought up by anybody anywhere else. So the few it people won't. that do listen to this have to, I want an answer on that. If he is yeah. so great, he is so world-class, he is all world, the best that ever played in the position, the best yeah. defensive, blah, blah, blah. How is it that Paul Pogba is being blamed for lack of defensive duty, which I never really saw, because he's expressed himself. Every attacking midfielder is going to go and express themselves. So that's why you have a defensive midfielder to try and Mm -hmm. hover those spaces, right? But the Mm -hmm. only time it seems that Conte is able to do all of that is when he was at Leicester, when he had somebody beside him and they were sitting deep, or at Chelsea, when they played a back three and he had another defensive midfielder beside him and he can run around. France, they played a back three. 
The, the defenders had no clue what was going on. That was a bad decision. And yeah. he never had the luxury of having another, of having other defensive players beside him to help him close the space. Yeah, it goes both ways. As you said, I, we have routinely pointed it out. People always say, why doesn't Pogba play this way for, for Manchester United? And when you actually check it and people go, oh, it's because he has Kante beside him. And then you check the stats and you realize that Pogba is consistently out doing the defensive work of N'Golo Kante for France. It's not even really debatable. That's, that's the difference. It's not much of a difference, really. It's just they play the same way that makes Kante look good. It's usually Pogba who's sacrificing his game and then he has a few little attacking moments. And people say, why doesn't he do this for Manchester United? He does it for Manchester United all the time. But for France, people view international football through some kind of spectrum that changes their their, their intelligence or something like that. I don't know. But yeah, funnily enough, before the game, you said it was a mistake for France to go with a back three. I agree with you. But apparently, that was the wishes of France and the likes of Paul Pogba because they didn't think they were getting anything. Um, they, they didn't think they are getting the max out of Benzema, Mbappe, Griezmann and Pogba as an attacking threat. So they wanted that third centre-back, which would allow Pogba to go up more, would leave Kante to do more defensive work. And what happened? They were one nil down, almost 2 nil down. And they had to quickly change it back to how it was. And they got the 3-1. We, we, we've spoken about this before. This all this talk. France are what they are. The, the whole idea of doing changing up systems and trying to be able to be more Spain-like or, or, or 90s Argentina-like or even late 90s France-like. That's not who they are. They're, they're a team built to be without the ball. They are a team yeah. built, built on solidarity of the whole. It's a team that is built on the whole coming together, being greater than individual pieces. And individual pieces was highly, I'm not going to say overrated, but overhyped. Them, yeah. uh, you, would, you would have thought France had every player on France's team um, was a Champions League winner. The way how they were spoken, oh, they have all of this talent. That's like, really? It's not, it, it doesn't really? even get, I wouldn't even say a Champions League winner. You would think that everyone on France team plays proactive ball possession, dominant football for their club teams. When that's not the case, Benzema plays for Real Madrid. Yeah, Griezmann is at, Griezmann's at Barcelona, but he built his career at Atletico Madrid. Kante is not a ball position midfielder. Pogba has never played for a ball position midfield. Rabio is at Juventus. They're not a ball position team. And most of these players are used to playing reactive football, quick-paced, counter-attacking football. And this idea that you should bring those players in and suddenly they have the talent to be circa Spain 2008 is absurd to me. He, and we, um, saw, we saw the results of it. They're out. Uh, after Switzerland, after Switzerland missed a penalty, and then Switzerland looked like they're about to capitulate. That was and France took. Well, they didn't, they didn't look like they're about to capitulate. Yeah. They did capitulate. They did capitulate, and Benzema and Pogba just went to another level. And yeah, and Mbappe played a role. They they took advantage of that, and I still can't believe the loss. Saying all of this, I still can't believe France lost that game. And a part of me is saddened that France lost because I really want to see France versus Spain because I'm that yeah. type of fan. I want to see the best play the best. 
Like, you know, I wouldn't, I, I don't care to see Switzerland versus Spain. I really don't. I don't want yeah. to watch that football game ever. But I yeah. did want to see Spain versus France. I want to see those contrasting side styles, the yeah. dribbling, athleticism um, of, of France versus Spain's tremendous ball controlling players. Uh, yeah. You know, before the tournament started, we said with Spain, no matter who Spain plays, they're going to be dominant and have the ball. And I would have loved to see Spain versus France because one, I think, based on the actual football, France have the team capable of being successful against that. Yeah. But also because I think it would shut up people and have them realize that really and truly France cannot play like Spain. They have to play the way they play. That, they don't game, have that, that, that game would have really looked like um, Barcelona versus Atletico Madrid. But the difference yeah. is the difference is that France has much more skillful players than, yeah. than you know what you know what it would have looked like? It's going it would have looked like Spain versus Switzerland on Friday with Swiss, with better players than Switzerland. It's, it's gonna be the same game, really and truly. But we're we're gonna see an inferior level of footballers from Switzerland. They're not gonna have the great Granite Zaka as well, so that's going to make them even more defensive. But yeah, it's it's a shame that France are gone home. Wait, as Janet, Janet. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. Man. I the ballers. Yeah, all right, Stefan. The ball- you know what? You know what? I just like to point out that when Pogba scored that third goal, he started dancing, and Granite looked at him and said, "All right, cool. I have something for you." And then Pogba lost the ball, and Xhaka equalized the game. I didn't care about the guest scored. He made the pass. It was Ajax. But the France. No, fun and as you said, we would have wanted to see France versus Spain for the footballing aspect of it. But that's the type of fan you are. I love to see big teams lose. So I'm delighted France are out. Ah, uh, that means you're glad when England win then because England is not a big team. So I was fully on side. I was fully in support of England getting past Germany. We just didn't do the podcast. They didn't hear it. All right. Um, Italy versus Belgium. Belgium missing De Bruyne and missing Hazard. Uh, I thought Belgium was poor against Portugal. uh, And Portugal having 24 shots. (laughs) Belgium scored a great goal in their one shot on target out of five. Uh, They couldn't keep hold of the ball. You know, and and I'm not going to, we don't have enough time to break down that, but I definitely think that Italy should win. Definitely. I agree with you. I mean, Belgium are missing Hazard. I mean, who hasn't been missing Hazard for two years? When they're missing De Bruyne, I don't particularly think Belgium have looked great in any of their games. Um, I, I I still see a lot of weaknesses in the team. And without Kevin De Bruyne, who is their star man, um, I just I'd be very surprised if they get past Italy, who have just looked so comfortable during this entire tournament. Bar yeah, yeah, some anxious moments against Austria, but uh, yeah. I never thought they were going to lose that game. Um, Italy, yeah. I will say, they do look very, very, very technical with the football um, in tight spaces. The way they're able to roll off markers, the subtle skills of their football yeah. players yeah. seems to be. Yeah, but- Something they, they have, yeah, they did have some weak moments against Austria. I mean, they could have lost the game offside flag, but overall, I don't think at any point in time where they're truly, really worried. And once you went to extra time, I didn't really think Austria would have had a chance. They had to get to do it in the 90 minutes, and they didn't. But yeah, I, I, feel I think like- I think for Belgium, to Belgium is gonna have to 
they will sit deep and they will just try and probably even play for penalties. That's that's yeah. what I think. Because on, on paper, Italy have the better players, the players are more skillful and they're in better form. Um, Lukaku is there, so they have a chance to get a goal if Italy manages to score. So uh, Yeah, I think Belgium are gonna I, I agree with you, and I think that would that will work out for the players at their disposal because you're gonna want Lukaku running into channels and into space and turning defenders on the half line to get past him, which he's done excellently for Inter Milan this season. So they're really going to be focused on getting that aspect, especially with the two big attacking ta- talents out of the tournament. Just a shame. I thought Hazard looked really good against Portugal. Yeah, he did. He, he, well, he looked better than he did, but I didn't think that. I thought he was their only main weapon against Portugal, and Portugal yeah. did look the better of a team. The first half was quite boring. But of the two teams overall, I thought felt Portugal was was a bet, better team. Portugal just couldn't um, take chances and have chances. England yeah. versus Ukraine. I, I don't. I don't want to get into the Denmark game. Not trying to disrespect Denmark and Czech Republic. Um, yeah. No, I don't really. I don't want to get. We just you know it's just not enough time. But mm-hmm. um, I fully expect England to change the lineup. Um, yeah. Either Phillips or Rice will rest, as both are on a yellow card. So I expect mm-hmm. Henderson to come in, them to go back to a back four and bring in another attacking midfielder, either be Mount, Foden, or Grealish, maybe both. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think England will um, go back to a more attacking. And when I say more attacking, I'm doing air quotes because I don't think England are ever going to be super attacking. But yeah, I think they'll change it up. Wouldn't be surprised to see Henderson come in and another attacking player for sure. Uh, England versus Ukraine, I th- I was saying it during the game. If, if England were going to play Sweden, I would have actually picked Sweden to get past them because that's just the type of game I think England have the capacity to lose. But against Ukraine, they really should be getting past them. Yeah, England should beat Ukraine. Sweden is a rivalry team. They're going to create chances. They play that 4 4 2, the long balls. They're unorthodox. They still have the type of players that can just mock up the game enough uh, and make it miserable. They did manage England did manage to beat Sweden in the World Cup, but Sweden did have quite a few chances. Uh, yeah. I'll never forget that block that Jordan Henderson made in the six-yard box. Uh, so yeah, Ukraine, it's it's they're moving away from Wembley, they're going to Rome, but England really should be beating Ukraine, and I expect them to beat Ukraine. And I'm I'm saying it no, they will beat Ukraine. Um, the yep. game after is a dangerous game. Denmark did beat them in the Nations Cup and they drew with them. They will be at Wembley. Czech Republic, Czech Republic beat the Netherlands. Czech Republic, I saw them in the qualifying in their England's group. They beat England, lost to England. And we have to give England some credit. You know, Gareth Southgate, somebody really needs to say this. People talk about England's group being that easy. Croatia gave Spain. All that they could handle without their best attacking player. Perisic yeah. was out with COVID, right? Yeah. They gave them, uh, yes, Spain were much better for long stretches of time. But if, um, I forget the Spain's goalkeeper's name at the moment, doesn't make that a great save. That's 4-3. Yeah. Of course, yeah. that's 4-3. That's and of course, Spain gave Croatia a goal and all of that, but... There was long stretches there where Croatia was actually really good. And again, they were missing their best player. And Czech Republic, even before the red card, I thought Netherlands was a bit better. But I, I'd said it to you in a voice note. I said, hey, Czech Republic is going to give Netherlands a game. Like, yeah, it's not going to be a game. This, is, this ain't going to be 
like some game where Netherlands going to come and win 3-4-0, uh, like people think of Netherlands in the late 90s. This game yeah. is going to be very close, and Netherlands made a mistake, and the, the difference between the both of them was that one mistake, and Czech Republic took advantage. Yep. Yeah, you did say that. Um, definitely didn't disagree with you, because I think the Dutch team is fairly overhyped. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I think Southgate has done a decent job. He's, I, I keep saying it, I think he's managed his team about as well as you could expect him to manage it. And if he wins against Ukraine, that's three semifinals in a row. Well, he, it's, better it's, win the, he better win the semi, better get to the, he better win this tournament. Um, if he wins the tournament, I, nobody can speak to him. If he wins the tournament, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, if he wins the tournament, he should retire. Don't even go to the World Cup. Go, to, go, 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 go straight into Sky Sports Coventry. <laughs> oh my god, if he wins the Euros, quit immediately. Don't even go to Qatar. Because he will never, he'll never get better than this. This is England's greatest chance. They basically exactly. are hosting a tournament with their, the one game that they have to win away from home is eight row against Ukraine. Wait, so if they, if they beat Ukraine, the semi-final is back at Wembley? Yes, 60,000. They allow 60,000 in the stadium. It moves from 40 to 60,000. Wow. So so if, they be, if they beat Ukraine, they have two Wembley visits away yeah, from Spain or Italy in the final is no, it's no pushover. I do think Spain no. is going to win. I do think Italy is going to win. Maybe I'll be wrong, but either way, Italy or Spain, I, I expect either Italy or Spain to be in the final. Either team that plays England, is that's, that's going to be a tough game. But again, it's at home. So Yeah, that's Raheem Sterling, 1-0 winner in the 120th minute at Wembley. But you know what I'm fearing? A friend of mine who's a huge Sterling fan, a couple of years ago, I said Sterling wasn't world-class. He's top-class. He was so angry. And yeah. he said to me, you know what I want to happen? I want England to make it to the final and then to lose 3-2 after Raheem Sterling scores two goals um, <laughs> tied up and for your heart to just break. And then you can't blame Raheem Sterling. I was like, I'm not blaming him. And he just says, the whole mission is for Raheem Sterling to score all the goals and for England to just suffer that last heartbreak at the end. And so far, he looks like What's the word? Profit. He looks like a prophet. So I'm it is honestly so, it's so disheartening that Kane scored that goal because I would love for England's only goal scorer at the Euros to be Sterling. Sterling. Uh, but anyway, we can't get into transfers or anything. So I'll talk to you after um, quarterfinals where hopefully England will be heading back to Wembley, getting ready to prepare for a semifinal, semifinal tie. Yeah, let's do it. All right, then, Stefan. Good catching up. Good catching up with you. Talk soon. Peace.